Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris back for another episode. This week we go back 20 years to celebrate an anniversary of sorts. Uh, not just the first Polish band that we've covered on the show, but we go back to Riverside's debut album, uh, Out of Myself, which has been in rotation for a lot of Prague fans for the better part of 20 years now. Uh, but before we talk Riverside, Chris, my friend, how are you doing? Very good. Uh, we have been very busy uh, talking about albums, interviewing people. Uh, I, re- I feel like um, it feels like the uh, the the back during the uh, the pandemic when we were doing interviews left and right because uh, everybody had more free time. It seems. Uh, but um, you know, we got to talk to to Jeff and Van from Nevermore, which um, was great. And then we got to speak to uh, the guys from No Spoon, which was also great. Um, and so now we uh, get back to talking about a uh, a full album, one that I did not know super well going into this week. So this was kind of a nice, uh, you know, something new that's old, as as it uh, as it often is for me, but. Um, yeah, this was cool. Uh, I thought, and I mentioned this last week, but uh, I thought this was cool because um, it made for an interesting bookend considering that this was their first album and, and their most recent album came out earlier this year. And I enjoyed their most recent album quite a bit. I, I expect it to be on my uh, my top 50 list at the end of the year. At least I think it'll be. Um, so it's kind of cool to kind of bookend the year with the with the Riverside Riverside's first album when I was starting the year listening to Riverside's newest album. What is old is new and what is new is old. But before we get there, I just want to mention just a pair of albums that I kind of listened to this week, which, you know, kind of struck a chord with me. Um, the first is a band out of, I believe, New Jersey called Everdawn. This is their, I believe, second release. It came out uh, earlier this month. The band's CD is called Venera, V-E-N-E-R-A. Um I don't know that it's anything you haven't heard before, but if you're a fan of symphonic metal, you could definitely get some real enjoyment out of this. Uh, it was at, released on Frontiers, so you get a little sense of, of what that's going to be just because of, of the record label. But this is a little less, um, a little less AOR-ish and a little more epica without growls i guess would be a way to describe it uh a little less technical but certainly straightforward enough that i think people can gravitate towards this uh and and, and the singer kind of reminds me of a young tarja in many ways so if you're into that operatic style definitely definitely worth checking out uh the other thing i wanted to mention which kind of caught me off guard it was a band that i forgot about in many ways uh the band is called flames of fire the album is called our blessed hope and for those that may or may not be familiar um flames of fire is basically one of the many side projects by uh a singer you may know by the name of uh christian uh lilgren out of sweden i believe uh he is the singer for uh bands such as seven days um, Golden Resurrection, and probably most notably Narnia, uh, a band that I've been listening to uh, throughout the years. Flames of Fire is typical, um, I guess we'll call it Christian-inspired prog metal. It is very thick on the um, imagery and the um, 
religious influences are are definitely plentiful. But if you're into that style, or if you just like good power metal, you could probably do a lot worse than this one as well. Um, I've always loved his vocals, so I make a point to check out everything the guy is on. And this was a pretty good release. I think you'd definitely enjoy it as well, just knowing your uh, your 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 enjoyment for just clean, straight up power metal. Yeah, yeah, I um, I kind of was very late to the Narnia party. I really enjoyed their new album that came out last year. I believe it was on my, I believe it was on my list, or was it this year? Um, I can't remember. Um, no, I think it was. I think it was last year. Uh, but uh, either way, um, really enjoyed. Uh, oh wait. No, it was this year. Yeah, it came out in March this year, Ghost Town. Um, I yeah, think that, yeah. that will probably be on my list as well. Um, I just, nice. I forgot about it because I haven't gone back to it yet, but I will. Um, but I was a big fan of that, that album. Um, I, I also really enjoyed the Golden Resurrection stuff because it had, uh, Tommy Johansson, uh, his guitar work with, um, Christian's vocals, which I thought made a very cool pairing. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I think I, I had a song from Flames of Fire from last year that I believe you had put on a playlist. So um, I had heard at least one song from them, but uh, yeah, I kind of forgot that there was a uh, a third <laughs> a third project that uh, that he was on. So that's cool, and I'd like to hear that uh, Ever Dawn as well that you mentioned. That sounds like something I would enjoy as well. Yeah, I think it's I think it's one of those things that. Um... You know, again, I, I don't know that they're breaking any barriers here or doing something that's so off the beaten path that it's like, well, this is new. But it's one of those things that was just well done and, and, and an enjoyable listen. I don't know that I'm going to go back to it repeatedly, but I, I certainly enjoyed it. And actually, if memory serves, I think their debut was in my top 50 of uh, the year it came out. So I kind of had some expectations for this, and it certainly um, didn't disappoint. Just uh, both both. Both are good listens, but uh, let's get to the task at hand, shall we? Um, what's what's most interesting, I think, about this Riverside release, uh, and, and for those that don't know, this is a Polish progressive metal band that obviously formed um, some 20 years ago now. What was always interesting to me is that if you go on the internet, uh, the album a lot of people say came out in September of 2004. And I think the misconception uh, there is that that is when it got wider distribution through Ken Golden and his Laser's Edge uh, record label. So that is I, probably when I first heard the album. But in reality, or reality dream as the case may be, the album actually came out in December 20, uh, 2003. And it was actually December 15th, which I think it was actually released for, for public consumption, albeit on a limited basis, but I wanted to kind of celebrate the anniversary of the original pressing and the original release. And also it's, it's a band that we haven't really talked about at all on the podcast, but for maybe, you know, the, the, or surrounding the new album when it came out. Um, I know that you were familiar with some of the songs on this. I will kick things off by asking you how familiar you were with the rest of the discography and, and, you know, short of the new album, um, was this kind of a band that you were like, have you been following for a while or is this kind of a new jam for you? Uh, I've been following them for a while, but it's kind of like on the, the greatest hits kind of, uh, like level, you know, like I've always paid attention to the singles as they came out and whatever tracks they were kind of playing live at times that I was planning on seeing them, which I guess probably would have just been at Prague power. Um, but I think that, uh, their, their newest, 
uh, album ID Entity um, that came out earlier this year, it was probably the first time I really um, just repeatedly listened. You know what? I'm going to take that back, actually, because I, I did also listen to Love, Fear, and the Time Machine quite a bit when it came out, which I really liked. And that was right before they were set to play Prague Power. It came out... Um, I think literally days before that festival. Um, and I remember that song, uh, lost. Why should I be frightened by a hat? Which I thought was, um, (laughs) actually kind of apt considering how you're dressed currently. But, um, uh, I just remember hearing that song and thinking, Holy shit. Like this band's got some, some really good stuff. Um, so after I returned from Prague power, I remember really digging into this album and liking it quite a bit. And had I been doing a, a, a top 50 list at the end of the year back in 2015 there's probably a solid chance that this would have been on it but when it comes to the previous releases such as out of myself and second life syndrome and voices in my head and rapid eye movement reality dream so on and so forth uh it's always just been ra- you know random songs here and there you know like you know o2 panic room and, and you know acronym love and uh what else? Uh, that 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 ilk um, for for the most part. Um, Reality Dream Three, which uh, is is you know the third part of of uh, the first two parts we'll talk about on this album, but that that kind of series continues on uh, throughout their uh, discography. Um, I don't know. I guess they didn't do a reality dream four. I guess they're up to three so far, I think. Um, but yeah, anyway, think yeah, that's right. So it's been a very cursory, um, you know, following, but I think going forward, you know, after this, their latest album impressed me, I'll probably continue to, to really listen to their stuff as it's released. But um, it, it's really interesting because it's not something that you would probably think I would, resonate with but i actually like it quite a bit the the kind of mix of like the kind of atmospheric vibe with the prog rock and and some of the metal elements i think it makes for a really interesting combination of sounds and uh it's it's cool because um like i mentioned earlier i've uh, the most riverside i've ever listened to in my life has been in 2023 and it's been listening to their first album and their last album 20 years apart and so it's interesting to see like how the band has uh evolved only without any of like the stuff in between to kind of fill in the gap. But uh, yeah, it's cool. It's uh, it's cool. I'm glad that you chose this because it's, um, it's just cool to kind of go back and, and listen to the beginnings of this band. And you should, you should get onto uh, Wikipedia and edit their, um, their release date to, for, for accuracy's sake. I was thinking of it, to be honest with you, it, the thought did cross my mind. Um, what I'll, what I'll say is this, I, have I, I remember when this album came out and I remember how it got just kind of rave reviews in the prog community. And I bought it as soon as I was able to back in 2004. I, I didn't have the original pressing, but I did have um, the Laser's Edge release of it, you know, nine months after it was actually out. I bought it right away. And if memory serves, I actually think I bought it at Prog Power, um, which I'll, I'll speak about them and their their appearances there a little bit later. But I remember immediately thinking to myself, I've never heard anything like this. And at the time, I was not a huge fan of bands like Anathema. Um, I had been listening to or at least just started getting into Green Carnation, which is another band that this 
group kind of reminds me of, at least in spots. But I remember thinking to myself, this is completely different than the prog I was used to. This does not sound like dream theater, but it was certainly prog rock, prog metal, whatever you want to call it. And I was just enamored by some of the things they were doing on this disc, which I'll certainly get to. Looking ahead, I remember when the second album came out, people were just going batshit crazy uh, for Second Life Syndrome, which came out all but a year later, or I guess two years later in 2005. And that album never grabbed me quite the way this one did. I, I liked it, and it certainly had some high spots, but I didn't love the whole thing. And then the band really went in a different direction in 2007 with Rapid Eye Movement. And since then, I've listened to all the releases, but I haven't enjoyed them quite like I did the first one. And I kind of just soured on them a little bit. I, I would go see them live if I could, but I wouldn't go out of my way to do it. And ultimately, it was just like I'd listen and then I would kind of just move on to the next thing. Although I did spend quite a bit of time with the new release, uh, much like yourself. But it's interesting because I haven't visited this album in a long time uh, as I kind of fell out of favor with, with, with the band and what they were doing. And I don't know why, because as I went back to it, it's actually better than I remember it. But I'm, I'm almost curious to go back to some of these other albums, uh, the meat in between the, 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 the bun, if you will, and just kind of revisit them. So I started listening to, um, whatchamacallit, Second Life Syndrome at work today. And then I got distracted and I had to turn it off. But it, it, I, I made every attempt to, to really go back and listen to some of this stuff. And I have no doubt that at some point in the future, we'll, we'll cover another album or two from theirs just because I feel like it would make for an interesting discussion for no other reason than just to talk about the evolution of this band. One thing I think you can certainly say is they have not remained static. I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, like, like I'd mentioned, like I've, basically took like a 20 year you know shot into the future from this album to the newest album and there's definitely similarities but um the band definitely has evolved quite a bit over time and i agree with you it would be interesting to uh to talk about some of the stuff that that kind of fell uh in between yeah i i i i think that would be uh I think that would be a really interesting exercise. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious. You had alluded to this earlier, but you were saying how you, you were familiar with parts of this album. As you go back to it, about how much of it did you recognize? I mean, it's not the longest album in the world, but it is meaty and the construction of it is rather fascinating. It's only nine tracks, but it clocks in at over 53 minutes. So it's, there's some meat on the bone, but it's not like this is, uh, you know, a, a, a 18 different cuts or, you know, there's not, there's not, uh, anything like that. Yeah. I believe, uh, I, in my prep for Prague power, the, I believe they played in 2015. Um, that was my first time seeing them. Their, their first time playing Prague power was 2008, which happened to be the year before I started going back to Prague power, but I did get to see them in 2015 when they made their second appearance. Uh, so in my, prep for that uh i i had listened to the same river uh loose heart and the curtain falls um the album in general was sounded vaguely familiar like it didn't feel like something i had never listened to before but i definitely didn't know it well um and i feel like this listening to it a bunch of times um you know i feel a, a lot more comfortable talking about it and and how and and just uh you know how i feel about it although i just i don't know that um it, you know like i don't know that anything really really stuck out i'm a little bit 
unsure like what I would call my song of the week at this point. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it, it's I, I I really enjoyed it, but at the same time, like I felt like it was kind of mostly in the same vein. Um, maybe I could have given it one more listen, but um, I think I kind of got the gist of it. And um, as I go back and listen to each song, I think they'll the things will kind of. Uh, ring out to me uh, as obvious things. I mean, I think that the first track especially is just particularly much longer than any of the other songs on the album. So I think that one in particular has kind of a, a distinct flavor to it just because of its length. And, and uh, I feel like it's like one of those songs that really uh, builds and like, I don't even think there's any lyrics until well, like well, well past halfway through the song. Um, but, uh, yeah, to answer your question, you know, I was vaguely familiar with the album on a whole. I knew a couple of songs fairly well, but yeah, this was definitely a, um, definitely just kind of refreshing this whole album back into my head. I don't, I'm trying to remember if I even had listened to it right when it first came out. And I mean, at the time my tastes probably wouldn't have gravitated towards something like this. So I might've listened to it once and then moved on. Um, so yeah, it's good to come back. I definitely remember you telling me about this band in the, in the early days. Um, and I think them playing at Prague power, just put them on my radar in particular. Um, you know, to me, if a band is asked to play Prague power and I'm not that familiar with them, I, I have to assume that they're, at least pretty decent <laughs> consider if, if, if Glenn Harveston wants them to play at his festival and they were billed uh, about halfway up the bill, their first time playing. It wasn't like they, you know, got lumped into an opening spot and it was kind of like, you know, impress me. And then maybe you can play deeper in, uh, you know, a few years later, they, they seem to have earned a decent spot right off the, right off the bat. So um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of my, brief history with this album yeah it's funny i actually missed prog power that year that they played the first time so uh, just to kind of get into the story a little bit i actually saw them for a one-off show i don't know if they toured around it or whatever but they were playing a show uh, at the crossroads theater in new brunswick new jersey uh, about two weeks before Prague Power, so it must have been part of a tour, a little tour that they did um, leading up to the to the show down south. And it was I remember going out of my way to go see the show because this was kind of the height of my fandom. It was right after the third album had come out, and I, I hadn't really formulated many opinions on on them, but I knew that they were going to play stuff off the first two, and I certainly enjoyed both of those efforts. And they they just tore up this little theater either was either on or right near the campus of Rutgers university. And it was quite a trek. I think it took us about an hour and 45 minutes or an hour and a half to get there, but it was totally worth it. Great show. I remember the setting. It was this intimate little theater with kind of stadium seats, almost in the half round, if you will, kind of like Prague power, but with no place to sit on the floor. You just kind of sat around this stage that was at the bottom of a pit, if you will, but it was a really, really interesting show. And then they would obviously come back and they've done, multiple u.s tours since then um actually after this week i'm almost itching to see them again because it's been a while for me nice uh how was the attendance at that show you went to it was more crowded than i thought but to say that there was no seats available was was definitely an overstatement but i kind of was expecting like eight people to show up and there was you know 
I, I couldn't tell you the exact attendance, but there was definitely at least a hundred or so people in the room. They, you know, it was a nice showing given, given what it was. And I'll tell you a funny story about that. I remember that particular day, like it was yesterday for an odd reason. We saw the show and then Ken Golden happened, happened to be there because obviously he had his affiliation with the band. And that was the day that I remember picking up seventh wonders, mercy falls. And so we listened to it on the way home from the show. And I was, enamored by that CD after the first listen. I was like, holy shit, this is so much better than all the stuff that the band had done prior to. Not that the music leading up to that album wasn't good, but I remember that album just being like, this is one of the catchiest things I've heard in a long time. And so that all happened that same day. Sometimes things just stick out, and this was one of them because I remember it so well. Uh, I mean, that's a a memorable album, to say the least, so it makes a lot of sense. by the way, check it out in the archives. We uh, did a full episode on it. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at this Prog Power lineup, and and man, I I didn't even realize Riverside was the second to last band that played on Friday night uh, before Amorphous, who has who is returning to the fest next year for the first time since 2008. Um, so yeah, I think they were actually billed lower in 2015 when they came back because yeah. they. Um, they played before Royal Hunt and Angra, who played Paradox and Holy Land. Boy, that was a hell of a day. Now that I'm looking back on it, uh, <laughs> Helker, Unleash the Archers, Dragonland, Riverside, and then Paradox and Holy Land. That that was that was one day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a day I wouldn't mind going back to as well. Yeah, and um, then the day before we had uh, Native Construct, Soto's solo set, Voyager doing a set list chosen by the fans. And then Anathema and the the final live Falconer show. So that was, considering that that was a lineup that was ravaged by cancellations and visa issues, boy, it, it worked out pretty damn well at the end of the day. I remember just really, from a musical standpoint, really, really enjoying that year's lineup quite a bit. And there were so many uh, bands that made their way in and out of that, that lineup. Um, but uh it, it it worked out. Uh, it was it was great. Um, I, I, God, what, didn't we find out like that? Like literally that weekend that there were like bands that like got held up at the airport over in Europe, and I think, yeah, I think um, Dynasty was yeah, supposed Dynasty. to play all of their album, and it, which was by the way another album we have not talked about on this episode, Renatus or Renatus, however you'd like to say it. That album is a special album as well, and they were supposed to play I think the whole thing. And uh, half the band didn't make it, and so Dragonland decided to do uh, to pinch hit, and basically do double duty that weekend, which was great because they actually had songs that they didn't play on their first set that they played on Thursday night that they got to fit, you know play on uh, Saturday, which was cool. Um, and I also remember Hibria was supposed to open on Friday and also do like a pretty massive U.S. tour. I want to say it was something like. 30 or maybe 40 dates. I don't know. Maybe that's exaggerating. I just remember it was a pretty huge U.S. tour. And they didn't, they had a problem with getting a visa for the, they had to cancel the entire tour. Um, and that was kind of at the last minute as well. Um, I think Soto was a replacement for a, a band that could, didn't end up playing. Um, it might have been. Morgana Le Fay, if, if memory serves. I'm not 100% wow, sure on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, Unleash the Archers was um, 
a fill in. I forgot for who they filled in for. Uh, so yeah, it was a interesting, um, interesting year to go on a little bit of a, a sidebar there, but, um, boy, that was a blast. Uh, you know, uh, DC Cooper coming out and, and performing with Voyager and, uh, DC Cooper coming out again with, uh, um, Soto and playing with Angra and, and Fabio. Um, just a lot oh, of cool I forgot stuff. forgot about that. What did they play? I don't remember it was definitely a cover of some kind uh that's great the three of them on vocals um it was after they played all holy land they did some uh, other tracks as well so yeah that was that was just uh it was a heck of a heck of a weekend man that was that was a blast oh you know what it was it was the kinks cover i think they did you really got me it was like kind of how they ended the set if i'm not mistaken oh that's that's yeah that's that's amazing uh yeah good times a little bit of a tangent there but uh sometimes we take a trip down memory lane uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'll ask a question that I often ask you, although not always having gone back to this and now kind of digesting it for the, you know, for the first time, or at least the first time in a while, was it everything you expected and more, or were you saying to yourself, I kind of like the newer material better. Cause I think it's a little more straightforward. It's still proggy, but it's a little more straightforward in my opinion. Yeah. I think I like the newer material a bit better. I, you know, I always kind of harp on melodies and i feel like their their newer stuff is a little bit more melodic but um at, at the same time it really wasn't on nothing came across as unexpected to me this was pretty much what i expected it to be um maybe a little bit more atmospheric than i kind of was remembering yeah. especially that first that first 12 minute song the same river is um it's like this just this very 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 chill atmospheric um, it's something that I was surprised I I liked uh, because it's it's really almost uh, unassuming in a lot of ways, but um, it's cool. It's a cool track. Um, I, I really really like uh, Marius Duda's vocals. Um, I think he has a really unique vocal style, and I find that that probably pushes the band or my um my enjoyment of the band higher than maybe it would be if it's, the singer wasn't somebody I liked. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it, I don't even know that at least on this track that you you would even be, call it a metal song. It's, it's more of a, just an atmospheric, like prog rock kind of tune. Um, but I like it. Uh, it's, it's good. Uh, it's maybe a little bit on the long side, like that, that maybe doesn't need to be, but I feel like it was done that way on purpose. It was meant to kind of build and build and build and then, and then it just kind of chills out again towards the end. And um, it's a lot of instruments. Like there's not really a ton of vocals on this track, but uh, it's a cool way to open things up. Um, what, are, what were your thoughts on this first track? In many ways, it's almost like an, ex- an extended. And when I mean extended, I mean a 12 minute extended intro, which is kind of cool. I mean, I know it's not designed that way, but the way the song kind of builds over that 12 minutes is fascinating for the first six and a half minutes. It's kind of like anathema in the way that their songs kind of build and progress over time. I think of a lot of the tracks on weather systems in that vein where it starts off with either an acoustic guitar or possibly a keyboard. And then it just kind of the instruments kind of blend in and start building on one another. But you mix that with some of the riffs that green carnation was putting out around the same time. And even a few years prior 
That's the first six and a half minutes of this track. And then eventually, all of a sudden, as the atmosphere continues to build, then finally the vocals kick in. And it's interesting that you like Marius Duda's vocals. I don't think anyone would say he's the best vocalist in the world. Or if he is, he doesn't really show off with this band. It's not like you really see the extent of his pipes. But at the same time, it fits the music so well that you almost don't you're not looking for more. He's just like the perfect complement to what this music is. Um, but when the song gets going, it really is kind of um, haunting in a way. And I love the use of the symbols as it really starts to pick up the, like just the way that the drummer uses the symbols. I think it's a phenomenal kind of approach. And then by the end of the song, the guitar solo is very reminiscent of Pain of Salvation to me, kind of the way this song goes out. I, I'm a big fan of this track, and, and I'd be remiss not to mention um, the band because, you know, we haven't really talked about them, but it's Marius Duda on vocals and bass. He also plays a lot of the acoustic guitar parts. Uh, Peter Grzynski on, uh, you know, the rest of the guitars, both lead and rhythm. Uh, Jacek Mel- Melnicki on keyboards and Piotr uh, Kozaraki give my uh polish there uh on the rest of this album uh just four guys and and you know it's 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 a bit sad because uh, the world lost peter uh grzynski just too soon and i remember that being just a real shock to to the metal world and the progressive metal world it was just the year after they we'd seen them play at prog power too um in 2016 so yeah um yeah i remember there being like kind of a a question as to whether the band was going to continue on without him um and and they have uh they brought in um Miller Masis Miller yeah yeah he 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 kind of was started out as like a um as like a hired hand live and i think that they brought him on full time later on and and the band's still 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 out there uh still doing their thing as i mentioned you know they released an album earlier this year but yeah um yeah, that's the lineup. I was really impressed when I saw them live at how much sound they produced with just four guys on stage. It was because they they have a really rich live sound, and it was impressive to me. I was like, I remember like looking like there are only four guys because they there's you know a prominent uh, keyboard uh, player and, and and keyboards parts in here. So you know you had. Uh, you know, the singer is playing the bass, as you said, and then the drummer, the guitarist and the keyboard player and, and the rich sound that they produced with just those four guys. I was that was really what impressed me more than anything about uh, seeing them live. I, I was I was like, wow, this is a, a quite a sound for from coming out of four guys. Yeah, it's 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 very rich and it comes off well live, especially with the backing vocals that they use, which are not piped in They're They're they they just use backing vocals very well and they have a very clean sound even with all the atmospheric stuff um the mix has always been good when i've seen them and to be honest with you the mix on this album is quite good i think that for us again we, you know we're talking about debut albums we did it with no spoon you know last week this is a really rich sounding album for all that's going on because there's so many layers to this music. I think this first track is a perfect example, but you can really hear it on every track, including the set, the next one out of myself, but there's a lot of layers to this and somehow they're able to pull it off live and not be an absolute train wreck. But the album, this, this album 
mixed very, very well, in my opinion. And I, and I can appreciate why the bass is so high in the mix, but it's also a very prominent instrument. Like there's a lot of songs where the bass kind of just carries the tune. And, and I think out of myself, the title track is a perfect example of this. The thing, the way this song starts with this really like great bass line and then this spooky keyboards behind it, almost like uh something from out of space or something like that. It's a, it's a bit of a slow build, but again, it takes off exceptionally well. I think this one's a little more accessible and it's kind of has a more traditional song structure to it. Uh, you know, if you, if I was recommending a track to a listener, I'd probably go with this one as opposed to the first song for obvious reasons. Uh, but it actually gets pretty heavy towards the end. And it's some of the first elements of prog metal that you hear on this disc. I never, appreciated the percussion like I did this time around though. There's some phenomenal fill drum fills. And again, the use of the symbols on this track as well. It's really good. A short one, but a tight song that was quite frankly, a song of the week candidate for me, not the one I'm choosing, but it could have easily been a song of the week for me. I think it's funny that you like, you said this is more accessible. The, the under four minute track is more accessible than the 12 minute. <laughs> oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the beginning, that, that bass line at the beginning of the song, it reminded me of like a dark version of Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith. Like it, it nice. has that kind of same bass tone, but, it, but yet it's like this more kind of like doomy and, and dreary kind of uh, vibe to it. Um, but it, it kind of reminded me of that. And then the song would proceed to sound absolutely nothing like anything Aerosmith's ever done that I've heard. I think Steven Tyler would not be as... Uh... I don't know if he would agree with that, but yes, no, I, obviously this does not sound like uh, anything that Aerosmith has done, but you know, it's, I, I appreciate what you're saying, just the way that the bass kind of just knocks this thing out of the park right at the beginning. Yeah. And you even get um, some like harsher vocals uh, towards the end of the song as well. Um, yeah, I agree with you. There's definitely some more metal elements. I think that, that kind of shine through on this track than, than the previous one. Um, I, I've always been kind of like borderline on whether I, whether I wanted to call this a prog rock or a prog metal band. There's definitely uh, aspects of both, I think, throughout their career. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a this is a, another good track. But uh, I definitely agree with you that it definitely seems to have um, a, a different flavor than that first 12 minute, almost atmospheric like epic. Um, this one, yeah, definitely straightforward and and. Uh, uh, easily the the shortest uh, track on the album. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, again, I guess kind of taking the listener on that journey to continue, we start with uh, this really weird sounds of, of people and laughter at the beginning of I Believe. And and this one is, is a ballad with this really kind of repetitive guitar noodling, kind of like something Anathema, I think, would do. But a really beautiful tune, and and I love the layered vocals during the chorus. To me, I think that just adds a completely um, new and interesting dimension to this particular song, and I think that's why it stands out to me. Uh, love the acoustic guitar. It's it's fascinating that Marius Duda can play both the bass and then play in a beautiful acoustic guitar like this. Uh, but what I love about this song is just the emotional quality um, to it. And even though it's awfully repetitive, it's just so touching in many ways that it almost doesn't bother me. And I, I'm, I'm a fan of this one as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's um very mellow. I mean, uh, mellow in a different way than that first track was in that, like it's, it's less, 
uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's not as dark sounding. It's a little bit more of like a, a kind of a tra- like more traditional acoustic prog song. Um, and it's just, I don't know, like really chill. Like I could see myself listening to this song, like at a spa, like while I'm getting a, a massage or something, like it's just really, really mellow and, and not, but not in like kind of a sad, sad might not, not the word I'm looking for, but not in a dark way. Um, it's a little bit more hopeful than I think the, uh, huh. the opening track was. Um, but yeah, this, this is a, a solid, uh, solid little acoustic tune. And, and I think that it, again, it, you know, it provides, um, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of a different style than, than the previous two songs. And I think that's needed because I think that if it droned on, not, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but if it droned on akin to the first track, I think it would get old fast. Uh, and again, they're zigging and zagging here with, with, with Reality Dream, or we'll call it Reality Dream Part One, the first instrumental tune on the album. Uh, very, very heavy keyboards starting this thing out, but I've always thought this song gave me strong Porcupine Tree vibes. Um, really beautiful car guitars that kind of just sing to you. And it's almost like that's taking the place of the lyrics and the vocals on this song. Um, but definitely one of the progier tunes on the album, uh, both in terms of the melody and the tempo and the bass lines really stand out on this one as well, just because, um, they let the bass take lead, which is not something you often see with a lot of bands. I mean, sometimes you got to really listen for John My Young on a Dream Theater album, but here you have no problem hearing that bass, uh, which is probably why I like to see them live because it, that bass really kind of hits you, especially in a live setting. I mean, you can feel it. Yeah, yeah, well said. Uh, I, I I feel like the instruments really make it so that you're not missing the vocal aspect of the song. Um, I think that the... Um, the main guitar riff is very, is really catchy. Like it's it really memorable. I, that was one of the most memorable riffs on the album for me. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I for a, a fairly long instrumental song, it clocks in at, at over six minutes. Uh, it, it, I don't remember like missing the vocals or wanting the vocals to come back right away. It, it was uh, just a really nice song like a mid-tempo again like very atmospheric with like even though um even though the guitars are electric it doesn't feel very metally it's definitely more of a prog rock back to that prog rock kind of vibe but um just very chill um not sure i'd want to hear this in a spa but um still (laughs) i I, I like this one uh quite a bit as well and then you know as we kind of get into the middle of this disc here I know Loose Heart was the first song that I had ever heard from the band. It was, I think, the single for the album, if you will. And it's, to this day, one of the band's most memorable songs in their entire discography, at least for me. What did you think when you first heard it? And and what did you think as you went back to it? Because I know that this was the one that you heard first as well. Uh, it. I mean, it was definitely familiar to me. Like, I remember as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I uh I remember the song. Um I'm pretty sure they pretty sure they played it uh when I saw them. Uh the one time I saw them live. Um it's I think very similar to Reality Dream just with vocals instead this time. It's kind of that same same pace, same tempo, same level of of like of gloominess to it. Um Yep. 
as a lot of these tracks tend to do, there, there's more, uh, there tends to be a little bit more heaviness towards the back end of the song. It's almost like they're building up to it. Um, but, um, and this one in particular ends in a, a really kind of grandiose way. Um, but yeah, I, I like this one. Um, uh, still, I, I, I feel like I know it a little bit better now, but um, this was definitely the one I felt most familiar with um, on the entire album. Yeah, I I definitely have always been a really big fan of this song. There's something about it that just resonates with me. Um, and for a long time, it was my favorite. If anything, it probably got a little played out just because I loved it so much and I would always just relish in it every time I heard it. Um, very lush sounding, just very, very, um, a lot to pick up on. And one of the songs that every time you hear it, you can kind of pick out different things that you may not have heard in the past. But what I would say is that the vocals here, top notch, and it just drips with emotion. Like you can feel it with every single note and every single vocal line. Um, and even though it's a relatively straightforward tune, there's just like lots to digest uh, and probably my favorite guitar solo on the entire album. And the way it ends is just really powerful. Always a fan of this track. Too easy to make it my song of the week. So I'm not going to choose it. But I certainly encourage people to listen to it if you've never heard it. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. I, I was going to choose it. And then I thought I would maybe try to, you know, be a little more daring. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, go go listen to it. Uh, if if me and Justin end up choosing the same song of the week, then we'll, we'll post... Uh, Loose Heart is kind of a, a runner-up track. How about, yeah, how about I like that? that. I like that a lot. Um, and then we get to Reality Dream Part 2, the the end of the Oreo cookie here with Reality Dream and Loose Heart. But Reality Dream Part 2, you know, we've had bass solos kind of kick this thing off. And we've had other tracks with the keyboards. Here, it's a drum solo that kind of starts this thing off with the weird phone dialing. It's almost uh, like listening to a phone off the hook. It's really interesting sound effects, but this is another instrumental tune. I, I admittedly don't know the correlation or the connection between this and the first part or the third part, which would come later on. Uh, but it's, it's a little less memorable. I think than the, than reality dream part one, there's a touch of jazziness to it in certain spots, which I think give it a little bit of a different feel, but at the same time, it seems to maintain the core Riverside sound. Interesting, but not my favorite track on the album. I'm, I'm curious to see how, your thoughts. Yeah, I, I agree with you that it's not as memorable as the first Reality Dream. But um, I also think that um, it kind of fits that, you know, the fact that it has the same name. It, it, it kind of fits that vibe. It's another instrumental track. Uh, I think it's some similar tempo, similar vibe in general. It. it it kind of like in the last few seconds, just all of a sudden goes into like this like prog keyboard solo. It's almost like they channeled their inner dream theater, like right at the very end of the song. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because they, you know, that's a grand total of about eleven minutes of of instrumental tracks on this album, which you know that makes up about a little bit more than a fifth of the album is these two instrumental tracks but i think that they fit really nicely i think that the fact that they weren't back to back was nice that you didn't have this 11 minute break from vocals um i think putting loose heart in between the two reality dreams was a good move um and then you know and then you have the rest of the album is all you know uh, songs with vocals but um yeah this is cool i i um 
It's interesting because I feel like uh, I'm looking at it from a different lens. Like instead of looking at it like what do I want a band to to do, it's like more looking in a more introspective way as, as to like what did the band do here and, and why does it work? Like I don't know. There's enough crap I can listen to that that is wonderful for me like the way that i want an album to be constructed where i can go back to something like this and just appreciate it for what it is and be okay with the with two long instrumental tracks like i don't know i've changed a lot in how i look at things critically because i just think there's enough other stuff out there that you don't need everything to just sound the same it's okay for things to to kind of have a different vibe to them and and i think that this works here so um that's part of the reason that I think I've expanded my palette over the last 25 years because I just, I still love Halloween, but I can't listen to just Halloween and Freedom Call anymore. And similarly, I still love Dream Theater and I obviously enjoyed the No Spoon album, but I can't listen to that all the time. So I, I find that when I listen to something like this and then I contrast it with Exodus and then I contrast it with porcupine tree and then i contrast it with creator like i just am all over the place but that's what makes things really resonate because when you listen to the same style over and over again it starts to get a little old and i think it also helps the cream kind of rise to the top if you will to to take a phrase out of the macho man's playbook but the cream rise to the top as as the better albums in a genre are really what's going to stand out amongst the other um I don't want to say filler, but releases that maybe just are less memorable or less um, ear catching. I think that's very well said. I, I, I really have you and and my friend, uh, our friend Caleb, to thank. I, I right around the same time, I, the two of you were kind of uh, pushing me to expand my horizons, and I found like I was listening to bands like Riverside and Children of Bodom and and stuff that like I never thought I would like uh, that all of a sudden i was like oh i'm kind of hearing this with new ears um and and that that continues even now um you know just trying to be more open-minded and and um you know not you know it's it's just funny because you think about like when we first started listening to things we only had access to what we had on disc and so like we were kind of confined to listen to our halloweens and our dream theaters and our sabotages and our stradivariuses and and now it's like with Spotify and 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 Bandcamp and and, and iTunes. There's just such a, this endless supply of music. It's 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 go. It's like going from one extreme to another. Um, but you're right. Like you know, if I spent all my time trying to find listen to Halloween clones, I'd be pretty bored. So um, you know, it, this is uh, this is a good example of something that is just it's just nice. I mean, we've this is one of our longer prog streaks. I feel like uh, with, with Riverside and no spoon and uh, nevermore prior to that. And um, if it wasn't for Slayer, we had dream theater the week before that Slayer kind of broke things up a little bit, but um, it's good. I need, I need to get in touch with my prog side sometimes. So this has been a good, good, good run of that. (laughs) Well, I I can assure you that that is coming to a close. Um, sooner rather than later with some of the stuff that I at least I have on tap. But uh, that being said, there's a lot of prog rock that we haven't touched and even a lot of prog metal bands that I have on my list that we haven't gotten to. So we'll see what 2024 holds. But let's let's kind of get into this next one over here. Any thoughts on In Two Minds? This is um, kind of the back third of the disc, but it, it, 
a very interesting tune to me, but I, I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, I really like this song. It's, um, I think, similar to uh, I Believe in that it's kind of a, a pretty mellow, um, ac- acoustic guitar-driven, not super dark, um, you know, just a really um, a nice song to listen to. It does have some electric guitar um, parts to it, but it is just like this really mellow tune with like these atmospheric like chimes and stuff. Like, again, we're going back to the spa, I think with this one, um, really solid tune. Uh, probably one of my favorites on the album, actually. Nice. I, I have to agree with you. And this was a pleasant surprise for me. Not that I forgot about the tune, but I don't know that I ever appreciated it as much as I did this week. This is a really underrated track. I don't ever hear people talk about it. But I'm not sure why. I, I think the acoustic guitar, which comes back all of a sudden, is just fantastic. And I think it's got one of the most beautiful choruses on the entire album. And that really sealed the deal for me. Uh, very porcupine tree sounding in those instrumental sections. This could have easily been on their Stupid Dream album, which came out just you know a handful of years before this, um, before you know the Riverside release. Big fan of this track, so much so that I'm going to make it my song of the week. So let's give it a listen, and then we'll uh, we'll come back and kind of wrap up this album. This is Riverside's Into Minds. We used to like it used to be In the sunset time of our dream Things we cannot change You know we cannot be We cannot stay But if you lose your faith Yeah, so that is Into Minds, my song of the week. Did not expect that when we started the week, I'll be honest with you, but it came on really strong with with each subsequent listen of this thing. Uh, and then we get to the last two tracks, the first of which is The Curtain Falls. The track is another uh, one of the longer tracks on the disc, coming in at just under eight minutes. Um, and, and I think it was at this point that I kind of realized that I didn't know the back of this disc as much as I thought I remember kind of remembered it um but this song is 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 a good one it's just kind of buried in the back of this thing um the bass again is is really kind of on full display with some great guitar solos that kind of blend into the chorus in many ways the verses are a touch mundane to me but certainly not bad uh but it's actually well placed i think it's i think this is the kind of track that feels just about right as like the penultimate track on the album um and then one of the things that really stood out to me was about six minutes in, there's this really guitar-driven, heavy passage that gave me Evergrave vibes, which I thought was really, really interesting considering the two bands probably could not sound any more different. But um, 
all of a sudden the, the song kind of reverts out of Evergrey and goes back into Riverside. It was just a cool little anecdote that I know that I noticed on this one. Uh, any thoughts on the curtain falls? Yeah, I, I I decided to make this my song of the week for no other reason but that I feel like it kind of uh, represents all the different types of sounds that Riverside made on this album all in one song. Like it it starts out really just chill and mellow, just that that baseline kind of leading the way. Um, you know the the haunting vocals, and then. Like you said, it kind of builds and builds and builds. It starts to get heavy, uh, close to the six minute mark, just heavy guitars and, and, um, and, and, and keys. Um, there's not really a ton of, of vocals on this, which is why it's a little surprising that I liked it so much, but, um, I, I just, I, I just thought this was such an interesting song and really was almost like a Riverside's greatest hits <laughs> kind of rolled into one eight minute song. This has a little bit of a, a little bit of everything. Um, I but, like uh, that comparison. I was not expecting you to say that. I certainly wasn't expecting you to, to choose it. But now that you mention it, you're spot on. This is like um, you get the full palette in about eight minutes. So it's uh, I think every other song to this point is leading up to a track like this where you kind of get the, the, the sampler platter. Yeah, I think my only criticism would be like I, I wish there was a little bit more vocals to it because like literally the vocals kind of bow out about three minutes into the song um or maybe a little bit further in but it's mostly and it's mostly an instrumental track there are some vocals but uh i just thought it it really kind of just wrapped up like the whole album kind of nicely into a a, an eight minute package so um I, i thought rather than go the obvious route i would choose something a little bit uh different so uh Let's give it a listen. No idea what minute I'll pick, but uh, here's uh, the curtain falls from uh, Riverside's Out of Myself album celebrating a 20-year anniversary. interesting selection I'm, I'm i'm happy you went in that direction and then all of a sudden the track or i should say the album ends with the song okay and this is a really peculiar ending to, to this album um i i totally forgot about this track um and it's a really slow ballad like song at the end it reminds you of like a smoke or at least it reminds me of a smoky jazz lounge. And I'll be honest with you. And you may think I'm nuts. Slow love, slow by Nightwish. 
Uh, that's what I was feeling when I heard this. Very interesting way to go out. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts. I was literally going to mention that exact song, to be honest wow. with you. Wow. All right. Because I think we had the exact same conversation about that song when we talked about the Imaginarium album. And yeah, it's that same kind of vibe. Sitting on a stool, maybe maybe with a lit cigarette, uh, you know, just uh, like a guy with a stand-up bass. Um you could just picture it. It's uh, it's it's that kind of vibe. Interesting way to close things out. It's it's arguably the most like chill song on a very you know very chill album overall. Um, but yeah, interesting way to uh, to go out. Uh, but kind of cool. Like I like that it it kind of sticks out. Uh, the jazziness of it. Um, I think and the bluesiness of it kind of sticks out. Um, and makes it feel different than. Um, the, the the other songs on the album, but while still maintaining that kind of Riverside, uh, you know, um, that Riverside sound. So having gone back to this scale of one to 10, what are you rating Riverside's debut? Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.25. Uh, I thought it was a above average, really solid uh, listen. Um, the, 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 the the one thing was like to me that there wasn't really one song that really stuck out to me that really kind of pushed the score higher, kind of pushing it towards that eight. I just thought it was a very solid, like, you know, it was like a pretty much like a 7.25 straight across from start to finish. No, not, not a bad song, but I also not sure. I really thought there was any like, a, like out of this world songs either. Just really solid. Uh, I, I liked it a lot and, and um, would uh, would probably would have shocked my younger self uh, that I, you know, rated it as high as it is. But um, I will say um, I, I, I'm not I didn't listen to their um, second to, to most recent album as, as much as I probably should have. But the one prior to that and the most recent one, I like those albums both a lot um, and I would probably rank both of them a bit higher than this one um so that's kind of where i'm at uh curious to see uh where you're at i am at a 7.75 i thought this was a really good album i don't know if i can put it in that rarefied air of other bands that are an eight and a half or a nine but it's a really good album and it's something that i should have gone back to a lot earlier because i love this album 20 years ago um so I'm, i'm glad that we went back there and it kind of renewed my interest in the band in many ways and now i have to go back and play all their other albums of which they have quite a few at this point uh including the new one i have to give that another spin i don't know that i liked it as much as you did but it was certainly um in and around my top 50 whether it stays there i think remains to be seen but um really really interesting release from a band that at the time really didn't sound much like anybody else, uh, you know, other than glimpses of, of some other bands, but uh, glad we covered it. Glad yeah. We covered well, it. since Nops didn't send us a soliloquy about this album to kind of cap things off, I'll, I'll just stick to Wikipedia on this one. Cause I kind of like how the description was. And I thought it makes for a good kind of uh, final description of the album on a whole, but it, uh, it says out of myself has been described as an emotional musical journey, powerful in a subtle way with slight elements of metal arena, rock grunge, and even dub at the same time. The album has been, uh, term termed the band's gentle first outing, uh, built on the strength of Marius Duda's bass guitar. The music also relies on a soaring 
atmosphere of Jacek Malnicki's keyboards and long, weeping, long-stretched high guitar notes of Peter Grzynski's lead guitar. So uh, I thought that was a nice little summation of this uh, this album. And, and the, 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 um, the grunge in the dub is kind of interesting. I don't know that I heard much grunge but the dub i definitely can can see uh in what certain... is dub it's like um it's it's kind of like a, a type of club like music like uh i don't know that i could <laughs> explain it exactly you might have to might have to go to wikipedia for that as as well um but uh i don't know that i picked up any grunge there was definitely like a a darkness um to uh, to a lot of it, and just to just to to answer your question, uh, dub is an electronic music style that grew out of uh, reggae in the late '60s and early '70s, which I think kind yeah. of makes sense in this case. the The grunge, uh, uh, not really seeing. Um, it's kind of funny because the guys from No Spoon had mentioned that they felt like there was a little bit of grunge on their album, and and the and and uh van and and uh jeff from nevermore also kind of talked about grunge being a part of, of nevermore uh so yeah interesting. we're on a i mean if we don't pick nirvana next week i think it's a missed opportunity but uh very interesting very interesting yeah 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 so that's uh that that is interesting uh for sure um but yeah um maybe if one of the guys from riverside wants to come on the podcast and let us know if they think there's any grunginess going on here uh but uh you know anybody else out there who begs to differ please let us know um so yeah yeah that was uh riverside i like it i like it um shall we talk some news lacuna coil out of italy another band we have not yet talked about has announced a short run of u.s shows for this may starting out in wilmington delaware on may the 2nd and then culminating with their performance at the milwaukee metal fest on may 19th uh, a band that i've seen live ironically within with, with within temptation opening for them uh but lacuna coil doing a u.s tour always nice to see when bands come over um and then i don't know if you heard about this but did you hear about metallica doing a for whom the band tolls marching band competition did you, <laughs> no. did you know anything about this no i feel like um, i would have remembered that <laughs> so they're giving out like large sums of money for like $75,000 for the winner of the division one competition. And at this point, uh, the following five finalists have been chosen Auburn, Fresno state, Iowa state university of Iowa and uh university of Texas at Austin. And then not only are they doing it at like the division one and division two and division three college levels, but they're also doing it with high schools, including the medium high schools, and you'll never guess this, but Malvern High School in Malvern, New York is one of the finalists. So kudos to them. I just found this whole thing completely fascinating. For whom the band tolls. Very interesting. I feel like uh, if Nick was and Nick and Ryan knew about this, uh, you know, 23 years ago, could have had a new Eyed Park would have been up there. It would have been a new Eyed Park Memorial finalist. Uh, I wanted to piggyback on uh, the Lacuna Coil toward sure. just i wanted to mention that oceans of slumber is yes. uh, op- opening on this tour and i think that's awesome that they uh are gonna get some some exposure playing with lacuna coil also a band uh that i'm not familiar with called new year's day is also going to be 
uh, on that tour. But I was really kind of surprised to see Oceans of Slumber on there, not because they don't deserve to be, but just because I didn't know that they would have been on Lacuna Coil's radar. Uh, but that's awesome. And uh, I'm they glad to see They may have the same that. booking manager, but even still, it's an interesting package. And I can certainly... I don't think they sound much alike, but at the same time, I can understand why the appeal of one, especially the gothic tinge that Lacuna Coil has and how it kind of blends with some of the uh, vocal stylings of, of Kami and, and, and Oceans of Slumber. So cool tour. I, I kind of wish they were coming nearby, but uh, alas, this one is not meant to be. Uh, but one other uh, note that I wanted to mention, uh, uh, Barty Friedman, formerly obviously of Megadeth fame, is nearly done recording his new solo album. Um, so I think that's something that we'll have a chance to hear next year. I had the pleasure of seeing Marty Friedman live opening for Queensryche a few months ago, and the guy is just a phenomenal guitar player. And obviously he's doing something a little different than the whole thrash thing. But, I, you know, you want to talk about great guitar players, and obviously we, we just spoke to, to one of them in, in Jeff Loomis, but – you know, an all-time great, but this Marty Friedman, arguably playing on the best thrash disc of all time with Rust in Peace. I mean, just an absolute talent. So I'm going to be curious to check out his solo album when it comes out in the not so distant future. Any relation to Maxwell Jacob? <laughs> that is something I would like to see. And yes, they are brothers. Oh. But uh, I digress. What are we? What are we listening to next week, my friend? Well, I know I know everyone's probably getting a little nervous that we're running out of time with the year and we haven't done our annual sabotage episode. Well, don't don't worry. Uh we may have skipped our annual fate's warning episode this year. Uh but uh sabotage we we shall not be skipping. Um this was uh an album that I was uh pretty much 50/50 on when I chose Streets. This was kind of my uh the other one I was toying with and and um i believe it was uh our friend brian clough who uh was like hey you guys have done two zach albums what what gives so i you know we i went with streets but um this time i I, to even the odds of two and two uh we're gonna do another john album and this time we're gonna go with my other favorite uh john album and that's gutter ballet from 1989 um so I can't believe we haven't done this yet. I know it. This was, I think, the third, the, probably the third metal record I ever owned, uh, after Handful of Rain and Triumph of Steel from Manowar. Um, I re- I remember my cousin took me to the mall to to for, on, on my birthday, and she said pick a CD, and I literally had. Handful of Rain in one hand and Gutter Ballet in the other. And it was like, I literally knew one song from each album. I knew Chance from Handful of Rain. I knew Gutter Ballet from Gutter Ballet, thanks to Ralph's, you know, vaunted mixtape, which, by the way, um, we did a, a bonus episode with Ralph discussing that whole tape. Um, and that that's in our Patreon archives. We'll probably release that to the general public sometime in the future, uh, but that was a, a bonus for our Patreon subscribers. But um, I remember I chance just won out probably because it was like a little bit more modern. It sounded newer. But literally, uh, it took me two more trips to buying a CD that I went back and, and bought Gutter Ballet. And I would eventually go on to buy every other 
sabotage album i'd have to stop and think about what the third one was but i definitely remember that handful of rain and got our ballet were the first two streets probably was the third uh in retrospect but um this is one of my favorites uh that pretty much leaves i think wake of magellan as my last favorite sabotage like top tier sabotage album that we haven't talked about yet um but i definitely would like to talk about all of the albums uh at some point in time but um this one is um is very special to me and uh i think like a really interesting time in the in the band's history and i think there's just a lot to talk about here and uh it's kind of cool because the first time we did a sabotage album it was released on christmas day and this one will be no different uh we will drop it on christmas morning at six o'clock uh, we, as we joked it won't be dream theater's awake album since we did that already uh so six o'clock on a christmas morning got our ballet good choice my friend i always love talking sabotage and just like every album from that band there's just they're so different from one another and they have such a different feel and I, I, the word I always use is transitional, but they all are transitional in their own way. And gutter ballet is no different. So that will certainly be fun. fun. And then uh, we'll have our requests to take us into the new year. Uh, and we have our first request for January lined up. And it's another one. Uh, I'll just give a little hint. It's a band we have not covered. And I think that it's probably uh, about time because they are a stalwart to say the least. Um, I'll, I'll drop that little nugget is a, is a band that everyone knows and would probably be surprised to hear that 180 plus episodes in that we've not yet covered this band. So that and more on the horizon. If you like what you hear, please give us a like and a follow. Consider joining our Patreon. The links are below. Tell a friend uh, that works just the same, uh, but we appreciate your support and we will come back to you Christmas morning with some sabotage. Uh, enjoy my friend. It's been uh, a hell of a month and it's only getting better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like every night I'm looking at your face and uh, I'm just... so sorry. <laughs> well, to, to, to be fair, the, the thumbnail uh, is very small. So. <laughs> very good. Enjoy buddy. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Don't let me fall